I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing good. How are you? Not bad. How are you, Jacob? I am doing great. And just before we begin this podcast, we do want to acknowledge again what's happening in the world. We did it, you know, a few months ago when George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis and the fact that we have to do it again with Jacob Blake being killed in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I mean, that that states enough about what's happening that, you know, we haven't been able to fix this even with um, all eyes on it and we haven't been able to unite towards it. So we just want to recognize that. And that's kind of what we want to start the conversation off with today. Of course, the protests over police brutality over Black Lives Matter have bled into sports and we saw the NBA canceling games. I think the movement kind of started with the Raptors. They said they were considering it in their game against the Celtics in game one of um, their uh, their NBA postseason game and then the Milwaukee Bucks took the first step when they um, struck their game, they, they postponed their game, boycotted their game, um, and then it bled over into baseball. We saw a few teams on the first night after the Bucks decided not to play, decide not to play as well, and then the Red Sox in their Thursday night game against the Blue Jays decided not to play as well to, again, protest police, police brutality, protest social injustice, bring attention towards Jacob Blake. Um, Obviously, this is not a politics podcast, this is a sports podcast, but I think it's important to talk about this and acknowledge what's happening and recognize the movement. Um, This is bigger than sports, and we've seen so many people complaining about, you know, keep politics out of sports, Um, what is this going to accomplish, but the mere fact that, you know, we're talking about it on this podcast shows that it's accomplishing its goal. It's getting people who normally wouldn't talk about this, people of, you know, privilege, the three of us with a white skin color have the privilege to ignore these problems. It gets us not to ignore them. It, it, it kind of forces us to consider it and talk about it. And that's why, um, personally, I think these are incredibly effective no matter where you stand on the issues, just looking at the fact that we are now talking about this conversation, trying to figure out the best way to solve it, um, to me, that's effective. And that and that shows that, you know, the Red Sox deciding not to play, the Blue Jays not playing as a product of that um, has accomplished its goal. I don't know what you guys think about that, but um, those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, um, I have nothing but support and respect for the players across, I guess, like all the North American sports, because this was... Sa- kind of like a chain of events throughout not just baseball, but um, throughout basketball and eventually hockey. Uh, I have nothing but support for these players. Um, you can understand why they're doing this. Uh, they, they believe, and uh, clearly, you know, with the Jacob Blake shooting, um, it's, you know, a, a fact that, you know, just wearing, simply wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt isn't cutting it. And unfortunately, there, there's no progress being made, or at least the players didn't believe there was any progress being made. So the players have decided to up it, 
and uh, take another step into action. And uh, by boycotting games, this is getting people to talk about it. And uh, this is getting people to acknowledge it uh, about what's going on in society and that there's still issues that are unsolved. And um, it's disappointing, uh, not because of the boycotting. It's disappointing because that we're still seeing this. Um, I'm sure you, you guys have seen the video with Jacob Blake. Um, we've seen the video of George Floyd. We've seen many other situations um, throughout you know, the United States with Breonna Taylor and uh, other names. Uh, and this is something that you know you have nothing but respect and support for the players. You can understand why they did it. And um, I think the NBA playoffs will be resuming on Saturday, August 29th. So that's the day we're recording, as well as the NHL playoffs will be. So it was pretty much a few day of a few days of boycotting, and um, this this went viral. This was almost you know sports and world history because you very rarely do you see teams uh, boycott events or boycott games. And um, I think they did exactly what they planned to do by making their mark. And by pretty much sending a message to everybody that um, they're taking this very seriously as they should and as we knew. And, um, you know, they believe that they're not sending their mess or they believe the message isn't being received or well received enough. And that is why they did this step. So, in, you know, in, in, uh, in the baseball perspective, it kind of started off with after the Milwaukee Bucks um, boycotting their game. Uh, pretty much the Milwaukee Brewers were next in line just because I guess they're in the same state of Wisconsin where, of course, the shooting of Jacob Blake did happen. So they were the next team to back out and kind of support the Milwaukee Bucks, in which you can completely understand and support and respect. And then I think the Seattle Mariners were next because they have the most African-American players on their team uh, throughout the MLB. And after that became a chain effect. Uh, it carried in for the Blue Jays the next day with um, the Red Sox deciding to boycott the game. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. was one of the players who kind of led the way in terms of wanting to set out the game. The Blue Jays actually were ready to play. Uh, they had a team discussion and were ready to play, but to prove that everyone comes together, uh, they completely understood Jackie Bradley Jr.'s decision and as well as the Red Sox, so they decided to boycott the game as well and support them. So, and they've been making joint statements. Um, the game is being made up later, but that's not the important part in this conversation. Uh, the important part in this conversation is that it's bringing everyone together as it should, and I guess that's what everyone was hoping it would have done. And, um, you, you know, we, who knows where the, what the future holds now. Um, the boycotts are, I guess, over on Saturday, August 29th. But I think they got the mess. I think they did exactly what they were hoping to do by, make, you know, kind of getting attention and getting word that uh, racism in 2020 and social injustice is still very real. And it's something that, you know, needs to end. There's something that needs to be taken action. You know, just simply wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt won't be, isn't cutting it, and that's the truth. And that is why they need to take more action and uh, in terms of trying to, you know, f fight social injustice and, you know, equality. So nothing but respect and support uh, for the players and what they've done. And, um, you know, I guess to mimic or mirror some of the players, people who believe that, um, you know, boycotting games doesn't solve anything, you know, maybe they are part of the problem in terms of what, athletes have been saying for those who don't agree with it um you know it's hard i understand people want to keep it sports and sports but that's just something impossible and it's something that you know why would you do that when you can use it as a platform to promote um you know or to spread the word and to try and fight racism and uh, social injustice so nothing but support and respect for the players yeah i like how you mentioned bryson that it, this whole boycotting situation went viral because I think that was really the entire point. Uh, from my perspective, yes, it did kind of 
suck to not have sports, but that was the entire point. The point was to pause sports and to actually think about things that matter other than how many points your favorite player scored or if the Raptors are up 1-0. It, like, all that really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And it's just... I mean, it's good on them because I think one of the biggest... Uh, concerns or criticisms coming from the previous protests back in I believe it was May or earlier in the year was all the violence and one thing that we have seen this year or this this time around is that it's not violent people are protesting they're saying we're not going to play we want you guys to think about these things we want to take action and they're doing it in a way that is not hurting anybody so you really can't complain about that and I think one thing I want to bring up because uh, a lot of people actually did uh, message me about their opinions and whatnot. And I just one thing I wanted to kind of bring up is that whether people think that boycotting the games is the right way to approach this situation, you can't deny that it's inevitably done its job, which is to focus on the racial issues rather than the sports. And like I said, in a peaceful way. And, you know, it's you really just can't complain because it's done its job, it's been peaceful, it's been, you know, people have been talking about things, and the point was to start a conversation, and you look at even just our Canadian uh, sports programs, Tim and Sid on every weekday spent two full episodes simply just talking about these issues, Sportsnet normally will have a rerun of the, the latest episode, and instead they were doing reruns of the the NHL and the NBA's associations kind of giving their speeches and talking to ownership and it's it, it got in people's head because for me Sportsnet's really the only channel I watch and to have this constantly available to me really did help and you know I, I like how you Mark mentioned Mark that kind of we as white guys kind of have a bit bit of privilege over them and you know for me maybe I don't see these issues in a day-to-day basis or on a day-to-day basis but other people do and it's just it's good to bring these things up because you know like you said what what's been done you know putting black lives matter all over the fields and the courts and whatnot hasn't necessarily had the the impact that they had expected and they they one up it and you really can't complain about that and it's just it's unfortunate that they had to get to this situation but i think it, it, th- what they did definitely is good for the world because you know a lot of people watch sports a lot of people love sports and now that that's taken away from them that's what they're talking about why it was taken and the issues that the players are preaching and it's just I really can't complain at first a lot of people like I said were very critical of it but I think as it's going on and progressing people are starting to realize okay these players actually do have a point and there's more things to worry about than just how many home runs your favorite guy hit last night. There's there's actual issues going on in, in the world. And it, like you said, Bryson, just respect to the players because this was not an ownership thing. The, the Milwaukee Bucks, they decided to do this as a team and then all these other teams decided to do this. It wasn't like uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner or whoever said, okay, you guys, we're not going to play. We're going to sit out. It was no, it was the players that said, we want to do this. And I think that that really shows that the players actually care and it, I really can't complain. Yeah. I mean, this conversation is making us talk about this and like, it's not going away if we don't talk about it. Like the, the same facts persist, you know, 
black people in the United States are three and a half times more likely than their white counterparts to be shot by police. That's just a fact. And that's wrong. And we have to fix that. And we have to acknowledge that. And, you know, you can say that these conversations don't really change anything. And, you know, that might be true of the conversations we had back in May over George Floyd, over the Minneapolis protests and riots. But now I think they we have no choice, right? We're seeing the NBA, those players striked. They said, we're not going to go back on the court until we get something. You know, the Bucks, they called the Wisconsin attorney general. They talked about, you know, how do we make sure this change happens? What do we put into our statement to make sure that change actually happens? They've talked about um, encouraging the Wisconsin state legislator to come back into session and consider these police reforms. They've pressured the NBA to donate I think it's $300 million to social justice initiatives. The Oakland Athletics, a team in Major League Baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays, both those teams have contributed millions of dollars towards these initiatives and putting money where their words are in terms of fixing these problems. So, yes, this these conversations and this collective action actually does change something, and it's been far too long that we've gone without solving these problems. And, you know, just one last point to bring up for anyone who says, you know, just shut up and pitch or shut up and dribble. Why don't you just watch battle bots? You know, just watch a robots play a game. There was a hockey player who posted a video on Twitter talking about this. If you don't want players to talk about politics, if you don't want players to show emotion, go watch battle bots, go watch robots, you, you know, playing baseball or playing hockey or playing basketball. These are human beings on the court. They have opinions. And people say sports is a distraction from real life. I think sports is a microcosm of real life. It, it doesn't distract from real life. It, it, it personifies it. It exemplifies it. It you know takes things to the next level. So, yeah, this is entirely justified. It's gone far too long. And I think we are actually hopefully now seeing real changes. And, um, again, total respect to anyone who decided to sit out in games, whether it be Mookie Betts, whether it be Matt Kemp, whether it be Jackie Bradley Jr. And I think we're all in agreement that it's been far too long um, with these problems persisting. But there was real baseball this week, and um, as weird as it sounds, we still want to talk about baseball. Um, The Blue Jays acquired Taiwan Walker Last time we talked, the Blue Jays had acquired Daniel Vogelback. Now they've acquired Walker as well from the Seattle Mariners. Um, I'd say that's the biggest news of this week. And Walker could be a big piece of this team moving forward. We see Matt Shoemaker on the injured list. Trent Thornton is out for the year. So the Blue Jays have two rotation spots they need to fill. And Walker should figure into that a lot. And I think he... The, the trade for him kind of comes as a symbol of what the Blue Jays are trying to do this year. It kind of shows that, you know, past the talk of, you know, we're interested and people are calling us all the time about our players. I think this shows that the Blue Jays are kind of serious about pursuing something this year. They're they're serious about, you know, improving the team. And, and yes, they're a year ahead of their competitive schedule, but they're okay with, you know, going out and buying someone and, and making the team better to compete this year. And I think it's a really big move for the Blue Jays. What do you guys think? I really like the move that the Blue Jays made. And uh, this is something that I said last week, that Ross Atkins had no choice um, to pick up the phone and make a move. Now, regardless if he was training for... Uh, one of those two rumored pitches on Pittsburgh, I think it was Trevor Williams and Chad Cool. Um, that was definitely going to be a little more expensive because of the contracts. There's They're uh, under team control for a couple more years. And then uh, Taiwan Walker has always been kind of in 
the realm of discussions. Um, but the only problem, or I guess the only thing that would make it different than any other trade is that he is a rental, so it won't cost as much. But uh, going back to you know the move, uh, obviously the move makes complete sense rather than the uh, Daniel Vogelback trade. But this is something that the Jays desperately needed with pretty much half of their or half or most of the rotation on the injured list, and there is no timetable for people like um, Nate Pearson or Matt Shoemaker coming back. So this is something that they had to do. You can't just keep having bullpen games. Or I, I believe before the game was boycotted on Friday, uh, Friday was supposed to be a bullpen game. And, you know, you can't keep having bullpen games uh, forever, especially in a, you know, it, I, I know the rushes are expanded, but that's just not ideal. So this is something that the Jays went out and did, and they got uh, Taiwan Walker for a player to be named later. And the only thing we know about that player is that he's not on the 60-man player pool for 2020. So that's pretty much all we know, and I'm sure it won't be announced, or or at least it could be announced at any time. Uh, doesn't mean it has to be announced now. But Tywin Walker is a solid depth pl- uh, pitcher. Uh, he 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 eats up a lot of innings. You know, he's not an ace, but he's uh, he's a he's a solid addition to the uh, rotation. He has an ERA of four this year, and he's got a, a record of two and two, and he's made five starts. So what he's bringing to the table uh, is innings, and he is going to be you know a, a solid part of the rotation. He's here to stay for this year. Uh, who knows what happens beyond this year with him hitting the open market? Uh, that'll be interesting to see. But uh, the Jays have, you know, they you, clearly make by making this move and acquiring something, uh, it shows that they are somewhat buying. Because if they weren't, they wouldn't. They probably would have sold something. They would have. They would have sold. They would have done a different type of deal. But in this case, with pretty much half of the rotation on the injured list, they had no choice. But I do think that this is a good move and a good sign that they are kind of near the end of the rebuild, or at least uh, they're being a little bit more serious of competing. Uh, even going into 2021, it will be, or it's supposed to be a full season next year. But uh, there's there's lots of rumblings about the expanded playoffs coming here to stay for the future. So that obviously will have a um, an impact to see where the Jays' current state is because uh, the AL East is pretty much dominated by the Yankees, or at least on paper it's supposed to be, not ex- exactly in 2020. But a uh, good move by the Blue Jays, a good solid rotation piece, uh, one at a time in terms of if we're gonna if he's gonna be re-signed or not. Uh, he's making his debut uh, today on Saturday against the Orioles, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how he adapts and how he pitches. And I just want to say too, uh, what what a wild twenty four hours for Taiwan Walker is because uh, he's been one of the leading activists on or previously when he was on the Mariners in terms of you know the fight for Black Lives Matter, and he was one of the uh, leading factors for the Mariners postponing their game on Friday. And um, the next day, he found out that his house was destroyed uh, in the recent hurricane in the United States, and uh, I believe it's Louisiana. I believe that's where he lives in the offseason. So what a, what, what a wild 24 hours for Taiwan Walker. And um, I guess it didn't, you know, it, he was activated last night as well, and uh, he's going to be pitching um, today. So I, I can't believe the 24 hours he's had. And kudos to him for you know showing up and being ready to pitch, and uh, you know hopefully he helps this team towards a playoff push. Yeah, I it, I said last week how I really didn't think the Blue Jays were going to make any deals. However, I feel like this is kind of a deal that they made out of a necessity because if you look at their rotation, it was supposed to have Pearson and Shoemaker are both on an injured list. Trent Thornton, we learned yesterday that he shut down for the whole year. So without Taiwan Walker, it's really just Hunjin Ryu and Chase Anderson and then a bunch of bullpen guys. So you had to make a deal. And I'm happy that they made this one. You know, a player to be named later. 
uh, at least knowing that it's not on the 60-man player pool and no means that it's it's not like the David Price rental where you gave up half of your good pitchers or at least good pitchers at the time. Uh, they They got a guy that can eat innings up. They got a guy that's reliable, and I think, you know, that's what they needed. And it... I think it definitely will help them push for the playoffs because, as I said last week, the bullpen has just been so overused and it's just not sustainable. And even last night with Jordan Romano having to leave the game, that's very concerning if, you know, he wakes up today and does some tests and that's that doesn't end up going in his favor, then the Blue Jays' bullpen is even more in trouble. But, I mean, overall, he's a solid pitcher. I think, like I said, he's just going to really eat up innings. He's going to... You know he's going to be reliable. He's going to help the team win, and I think it's good. As you mentioned, Bryson yesterday or on not yesterday Friday or whenever the uh, the boycott took place, it was supposed to be a bullpen day, and it just seems as if bullpen days are happening way too often for this team now. And now they don't have that at least for one more start, and I'm happy about that. I mean. Like I said, the bullpen's eventually going to go through a burnout, and this year I think Walker, you know, he's a rental. He might only be here for two months if they make the playoffs, but he's a good rental. And I mean, depending on how the rotation wants to look for next year, you know, maybe they want to re-sign him. It'll be tough, I think, in this kind of weird situation and the way the market is. But overall, I think, you know, it's a good deal. They needed to make this because their bullpen is just way overused and you cannot go into a playoff push with most of your rotation injured and uncertain for the foreseeable future, especially considering the season's only two months long. So you miss, you know, you have a guy miss, you know, four starts, five starts, that's half the season. And maybe not, I don't even know, but they... They had to do this. I'm happy they got this guy. And I'm happy they didn't go out and try to... Deplete, not deplete their farm system, but I'm happy that they didn't go out and make a move where they traded you know, a, a higher leverage guy for somebody that had a potential to come back, but they weren't sure. Because as we saw in 2015, there's nothing worse than depleting your farm system for a playoff run. But I, overall... I think really can't be mad at this deal because, like I said, they didn't really give that much up and they got a guy that can eat innings, which they desperately need right now. But even as their, or hopefully as their other starters start to come back, that's an even more solid rotation. And I think that will definitely help them in in the future. But even for right now, like I said, it's just, it's a good deal that they had to make and it, it helps them immediately, but it can also, and will also hopefully help them in the future when they get healthier. Yeah, um, I, I think the uh, the positioning of this trade is interesting because, like you said, Jacob, it's probably more out of necessity than actually trying to jump out to a head start and trying to actually compete this year. But it's weird because the language and the rhetoric we're hearing from Ross Atkins is, oh, this team still wants to add. Oh, the Blue Jays are making a push this year. Oh, we're getting so many calls. You know, we have calls coming out of everywhere because – you know, we're so popular, we want we want to trade all these players, we're really involved in the trade market, and we're seeing stuff from, like, John Morosi 
the the analyst from MLB Network posting on his Twitter that this trade for Taiwan Walker is the biggest trade of the trade market for any team so far. We're hearing a lot of rhetoric that indicates the Blue Jays are making a push, but at the same time, if you just look at it logically, like they're short two starters. You can't have a bullpen day every day. Trent Thornton's out for the remainder of the season. They need someone to fill the gap. So I I, I guess I'm kind of on the fence as to whether this is actually indicative of a broader push by this team or whether it's really just them saying, hey, we you, you know we have whatever, four, five, six starts towards the end of the season that we need someone to fill, we're going to get Ty Walker to do it. So a little bit of a weird situation there and not totally knowing why the Blue Jays are acquiring him, whether it's for a postseason push or whether it's, you know, just to fill the gap in the rotation. Yeah, when when you think about it in terms of it being a move of necessity over them believing that they can win, I guess the only thing that or that comes to my mind for them or to try to convince you guys that this is something that kind of as much as it is a necessity, they also believe and are serious about contending. Um, there is a 60-man player pool, and there are, there is 30 other players. Uh, I believe it's in Rochester where they've been playing or where they've been kind of uh, working out. Um, I don't know. I just I, you have to imagine that if they weren't if they weren't serious at all in making a move, they would be you know they'd be calling up guys, you know, multiple pitchers to fill in that spot throughout the rest of the season. There's so many options in Rochester with starting pitchers. You know, there's Jacob Wagesback who keeps going up and down. There's Sean Reed Foley. There's so many other names. Even Anthony Kay, who's been such a solid bullpen piece, maybe move him to the rotation to call up a, a reliever from Rochester. Like, there's so many things that they can work around or fiddle around if they're not being very, you know, but that's my opinion, if they're not being serious of... Um, you know, acquiring a pitcher, but then they decided to kind of go around that possibility of adding from the alternate site because again they can because there's 30 other players over there who are capable of playing. Some maybe not MLB ready, but some that could probably give you, you know, four or five innings if you really want them to out of the fifth starting spot. So that's the thing I look at it from, and I think it, I think it's a good sign that they went out on the market and did this. And if Taiwan Walker is the biggest, pretty much, you know, guy that was trade are on the trade bait list this year it makes complete sense because of the year we're having again and um it comes in a trade that's not very it's not a very big trade and we knew that was going to be happening uh in this season with even with no minor league season we knew that the deals were going to be a lot more one for one rather than you know one guy for a player on the roster a player to be named later you know like you know the way usual regular baseball trades work when you're either acquiring a depth starter or somebody who's, you know, elite. So that's the one thing I look at it from. I don't know how much um, you guys agree, though, but I just feel like if they weren't that serious of winning, I feel like they would have just found somebody in, in Rochester to fill the void. Because, again, we're halfway through the, the season now. We're just entering September. It's the last weekend of August. So it's not like they're just starting the season now. It's They're halfway through, and it, they could have easily found or gotten innings from somebody else. I think it's a bit of a combination of both because, like you said, if they weren't serious, they could have easily just internally promoted somebody. But at the same time, I think that, you know, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, they're not idiots. They know that the Blue Jays are in a playoff spot and that, you know, another good month of baseball or even a couple more weeks of good baseball means that they probably take that last spot over the Orioles. And, yeah, like it just... It does make sense from both perspectives because, like I said, they do need pitchers, quite literally speaking. But at the same time, 
they also they know that they have a shot at the playoffs and this is kind of a subtle way of giving them kind of an edge over the Orioles say hey we got another good pitcher and we've got hopefully two more coming back soon um but yeah it's just it's overall I think it's just a little bit of both uh like I said they need pitchers but they also you know they're not oblivious they know that they have a sh- actual shot at making the playoffs this year and they want to make a push because I mean what would be better experience for these major league or young major leaguers like the Blue Jays have than to make the playoffs because we've seen all throughout sports you know when a young team makes the playoffs all we hear even if they lose is all the experience was great for them they've kind of learned to deal with these uh, higher leverage high stress situations and I think it would definitely benefit them and yeah overall I mean hopefully Taiwan Walker's I'm, I don't think he's necessarily going to be like a David Price where he goes nine and one or and just is the single reason why they could easily make the playoffs but overall you know this is a good depth move that definitely it will benefit them in the immediate future being tonight and then hopefully down the road and even in the playoffs yeah there's no question it helps him I think they they obviously could have gone in out and gotten better pitchers I mean Taiwan Walker he had a really bad first start this year his subsequent four starts have been solid he has a 4.00 ERA this season so he's obviously a strong starter a little bit of an injury history in 2018 2019 but he's a good guy I, I don't think anyone's questioning the deal it's a really good deal for the Blue Jays it's just a question of the intentions but I mean they give up a player to be named later we've learned I think it was Jim Bowden of MLB Network, I believe, who reported that um, they they got um, the player to be named later won't be on the 60-man roster, but it will be a player who's in the top 30 uh, prospects for the Blue Jays system. So they are giving up a little bit, obviously, but um, I think it's low-risk, high-reward. It's a good deal for the Blue Jays, and um, I think everyone's happy with it. Um the question now becomes, are the Blue Jays done? We've heard Ross Atkins say that they aren't, that they want to keep adding, and we've heard some other names bounce around the Blue Jays. Um, Trevor Williams and Chad Cull, both starting pitchers for the Pittsburgh Pirates. They've been on the trade market, and the Blue Jays have been connected to them. John Morosi of MLB Network reported a couple days ago that the Blue Jays were interested in Williams and Cull. Williams is 28. He debuted with the Pirates in 2016. Um, and uh, has made at least 26 starts every season um, and has an ERA of 4.11 over the season since 2016. Um, five starts this year, uh, as of a few days ago when this rumor was going around, Williams held opponents to three runs or less each time out, and August 5th, his best start, he pitched seven innings, only gave up one run against the Minnesota Twins. Chad Cull, the other name that the Blue Jays were connected to. He's a year younger than Williams, so he's 27. Also made his debut in 2016. Um, he missed the entirety of last season undergoing Tommy John surgery. And this year, through five games, 2.84 ERA, um, three starts, two relief appearances. So both of these pitchers are very good, and they're both under team control until 2022. So I think the conversation around these guys is a little bit different than Walker because Walker, as we mentioned, he's just a rental, but Cull and Williams are, you know, they're guys who would be with this team until 2022, which plays a little bit into the Blue Jays, um, picture of contention, you know, their contention schedule. So I personally am more fond of potential deals to acquire Williams and Cull than I am of a deal for Taiwan Walker. Of course, Williams and Cull are going to come at a higher price, but I think they offer 
uh, a lot more reward for the Blue Jays. They're younger, as I mentioned, more team control. Um, are the Blue Jays done? Like I said earlier, are they done or are they still going to push for other guys like Williams, Cole, or are they just done in the starting pitcher market? Maybe, you know, they go after um, infielders now. We know they have a weak bench in terms of infielders. They have Joe Panic, Brandon Drury, Santiago Espinal, and that's it. And, I mean, Panic and Drury are pretty much automatic outs in the uh, in the offensive side of things. So um, are they done pitching-wise, or are they still going to push for, you know, Williams, Cole, some other guys? Yeah, and even to add on to that, Brandon Drury is not even on the active roster anymore, so they, they've clearly had enough of him. Um, he was struggling at the plate. The only good thing about him is that he was great defensively, but unfortunately, you know, the batting line he was hitting isn't going to cut it, and especially for a team that's competing uh, and in the playoff spot, you just you can't afford to have that, unfortunately. So, um, But in terms of the trading market, because I've been getting a lot of questions too, are they done? And the more I think about it, I the more I don't know, because... I think about it from both sides of them possibly being done and then possibly, you know, saying, you know, screw this, we want more. And they could easily be thinking that, um, you know, as much as, like you said, Mark, the prospect they are giving up in the Taiwan Walker deal is a top 30 prospect. He still isn't part of the 60-man player pool. So you have to imagine it's a prospect that the Jays, you know, don't, I guess, aren't too fond as other ones. And, you know, maybe he doesn't have a role on this team in the future. I don't know. It all, it all depends when the um, player gets revealed, but... Um, going to those two pitchers on the Pirates, I just, when you look at it now, so the current rotation with people healthy, or sorry, with the current rotation now is Ryu, uh, Rourke, uh, Anderson, and then you have Walker now, and I guess there's a void in the fifth spot because you're missing Matt Shoemaker, Nate Pearson, Trent Thornton, but he won't be back this season. Uh, if you go out and acquire another starter, where does that leave Shoemaker or Pearson? Because, you know, you you have to. I, I personally think they're done now with the starting rotation because of those two pitchers who are supposed to be back this year, barring any changes or barring any last minute news that we get. Well, I think I think Thornton's out for the whole season. Yeah, he, he yeah he is out. So yeah, that's what I mean. So other than Thornton, you have Shoemaker and Pearson who are supposed to be coming back at some point, and you know that also leaves a odd man out when you look at it now because there's obviously unless they go a six man rotation route. But I doubt they were gonna. I, I doubt they do that in September. I feel like that was something they would already have done maybe at the beginning of the season. But I could be wrong. We have seen the Blue Jays do a six-man rotation before, regardless if you like it or not. It has happened before, even under the same management. So uh, yeah, I guess you can't rule that out. But I don't see that as as possible as it could have been maybe in August at the beginning of August. But anyways, um, someone's gonna have to be the odd man out, and I don't see if you're adding another starter. I don't see you know, the point of wanting to go through that mess of, you know, making a decision and then moving a bunch of starters to the bullpen, even though we've seen that enough this year, as much as those pitchers in the bullpen have been pitching good, you don't want to keep doing that and keep doing that. And I think um, Ross Atkins was actually asked about the possibility of Pearson coming back as a reliever, and he just didn't seem too fond of it on uh, the media call that he had. But I guess it's something that you can't rule out based off the current state of the team. But if you want to look at it from another perspective, maybe the Blue Jays feel like they could make a move. And as much as you're trading for Williams or um, call on Pittsburgh, they are under team control for a few more years. And um, Matt Shoemaker and um, Chase Anderson aren't signed for next year also. So it's not like that the, the rotation isn't full for next year as of now. There are going to be open spots, as we know, from the open market, just because pitchers are going to be hitting on the open market. So maybe this is a deal that... The Jays feel like they can't refuse, and that 
they make a deal and then they kind of deal with the situation of who's going to be in the rotation, who's going to be out of the rotation, maybe a six-man rotation. But when I look at it, there's more need of the defensive play now because when you look at the, the Blue Jays' bench, you have Daniel Vogelback and Rowdy Teles to begin with, and those two are pretty much identical players who can only play first base or DH. So that's not exactly ideal in terms of you want a defensive fielder. So, you know, and especially with Brandon Drury being optioned down, he was the corresponding move for Walker being added to the roster. You know, you, you, it's almost like they need another, they do need another bat that can play the infield or can play the outfield who can somewhat hit, but, you know, majority field. And that's what they're looking at. They're looking at run prevention. Even Ross Atkins, who very rarely tells the media anything, he's the king of going on for about one minute or two minutes, and you get absolutely nothing out of him in those two minutes other than him saying we're very excited. And, you know, I, I, give, him, I give him credit for that. But he even said himself, run, you know, run prevention, run prevention. And when he's saying that, you obviously know, or maybe whatever, if it was a slip-up or not, that he's being serious and this team's serious about adding. And I feel like that would be the next target. I was thinking about bullpen as well, but there's just too many pitchers down there right now. I don't know. Maybe Jordan, the Jordan Romano injury changes things, but I feel like when you look at it now, I feel like the leading candidate for another trade if they weren't done would be adding a defensive player who has a you know a decent to or mediocre to a decent bat, but is more focused on fielding because uh, Joe Panic has also hasn't been playing that well, but he can somewhat uh, field good. And I, like I said, Brandon Jury isn't on the active roster anymore, so it's almost like they need an, it's almost like a necessity with the previous trade for Taiwan Walker that they need to go out and add another uh, bench piece who can field. Because, like I said, Rowdy Telez and Daniel Vogelback, it's pretty much, it's almost it's almost like it's just the same player. It's just pretty much one spot in terms of their flexibility on the bench and, you know, where they're going to play. Um, so, you, you know, you need other options, and that's just the truth. Yeah, I, like you said, Bryson, I really don't know if they're going to be making any more trades. I think as of starting pitching, they're done. Uh, I think the Taiwan Walker trade was probably the only one they were going to make if they even made it, which we now know they did. Um, I, I really don't know how much more they want to do because, like you said, they have, on paper, including the injuries, they have Pearson and Shoemaker on their rotation, or in their rotation, and eventually things are going to happen. You know, if they come back, I, I really doubt that they want to put either of them in the bullpen. So... You know, they have one, two, six starters on paper right now. I, I really don't know if they want to have a six-man rotation. I mean, they obviously could just throw somebody in the bullpen, but I don't think that's very likely. And if you add, you know, another pitcher, then that just overcomplicates things. Although, I mean, they can deal with it. It's not like they're, like you said, they, they could make a deal and then figure their stuff out later. I mean, they could do that. I, I just don't know if that's something that they want to do. Uh, but I, I really don't know. I mean, like you said, with the bench, it, it is very concerning because the bottom of the order, when it, no matter who it is, whether it's Joe Panic or Brandon Jury or anyone, it's just, like you said, it's an automatic out. And even last night, I can't, I, I can't remember exactly who it was. I, I believe it was Joe Panic or somebody... They were tr the, back in the tenth inning. The Blue Jays had the the runner on second, obviously, and they tried to bunt it. But whoever it was bunted it straight up, and then it was automatically one out. And that could have been. I mean, obviously the Blue Jays won that game, but if they had lost it, you could have said, "Well, they, you know, 
they missed the bunt, and then I believe it was Kevin Bijou hit a deep fly ball. Could have been the the deciding factor in the game. They could have tied it. I mean, obviously they won, so I'm not going to nitpick a game that they won. But you know, you, you want to have guys that you're not saying, "Oh, hey, can you can you please bunt?" Because I mean, bunting is I mean it's part of baseball, but you you don't want to have an automatic bunter, especially you know we've seen a few times with Santiago Espinal he's bunted with two strikes at times because it's just his, his, uh, his average is not where you want it to be. But I, I don't know. I feel like they might just leave it. They could, like I said earlier with the, uh, the player pool, they could just promote internally, but I, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know if they're going to make any trades. I mean, obviously with the Vogel back, now you have kind of three first base slash DH guys, but We'll see, you know, how they handle that. You know, if Rowdy Tellez struggles or if, you know, one guy struggles, are they kind of going to be sent down or are they going to sit out until they, you know, they, until the other guy proves that he's also struggling? I really don't know. Uh, but in terms of the pitchers you mentioned with team control uh, up till 2022, I, I'm not sure. I've like I said the with the the two trades they have made for Vogelback and Taiwan Walker, they've been very low rev, leverage deals where you're not giving up, you know, an immediate player, on your at least on the player pool or, you know, a prospect or anything because, it's it's just not that type of year where a the the prospects aren't playing unless you're in the player pool, and it's just, I I really don't know if they want to do that and, it's it's just. I think overall they are, they probably are done, but m- mainly due to the fact that they don't want to give up too many guys for rental guys or even for team control. I don't think that they want to risk losing guys now when you know next year they could play with the fact that hopefully everything goes back to normal. I just I think they want to leave it. Um, I, I I don't know. It's it's such a weird year because as we said they were not supposed to be overly uh good this year they weren't supposed to contend that as much as they are but hey it's a good problem to have but I just think overall they're probably done making deals and it's just it's kind of we'll work with what we've got kind of for the rest of the year yeah I'm right there with you I think the Blue Jays have been active in the trade market just to see what they can do not just for this year as we've said with rentals like Taiwan Walker but for years to come but I think in the case of William and Chad Cole um, I, I think their team control doesn't totally match up with the Blue Jays competitive schedule I think they want pitchers who are more kind of like just breaking into the majors now who might be under control until, you know, 2024, 25, 26. Um, I think they want pitchers who are under more team control and who truly line up with their competitive schedule because, you know, Williams and Cole, they'll be useful for a year or two. And then who knows what happens, whether the Blue Jays extend them, whether the Blue Jays trade them, you know, whatever happens. So I think they are done. I, I, I think they don't want to give up too many prospects for a season that in most cases doesn't really matter um that being said the blue jays 72 percent chance of making the postseason so who knows what's gonna happen um but that number keeps going up holy moly (laughs) it keeps uh going up or staying there and i might be wrong and i would love to be wrong but um i jacob you wanted to talk about 
Hyunjin Ryu and how he's uh, been playing this year and, and and since his first two starts, which obviously didn't go as planned. His first start gave up three runs in 4.2 innings. His second start gave up five runs in 4.1 innings. Since then, he's been lights out. He's obviously been the best, best pitcher on the Blue Jays in his month of August has been insane. He's made five starts, each of them either five or six innings pitched. He's only given up more than one earned run in an outing once, and that was last night in the game against the Baltimore Orioles, where he was charged with two earned runs, but honestly, he shouldn't have been. You know, there was that play, and I don't know what inning it was, um, that it was a throw from Travis Shaw over to first, and it bounced on the ground. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. couldn't pick it. Um, I think that should have been charged as an error instead of um, a, 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 instead of an earned run. So, you know, he's been lights out. Bottom line, he's been pitching very, very well. And regardless of the struggles the Blue Jays have had elsewhere in their rotation, the success of Ryu has helped them a lot. And, and I think he's one of the key reasons why they are where they are right now. Yeah, I'm happy that you mentioned the the situation last night because that uh, I'm surprised that that was not an, uh, scored as an error it definitely should have been uh, but yeah Hanjin Ryu he is being lights out pretty much since the calendar moved to August and it's just it's it's been amazing obviously his first two starts uh, he allowed eight runs over nine innings which I mean I was not as good as everybody expected but he has since then pitched 28 innings, including the start against Baltimore. And through that, he's only had five earned runs, should be three, but whatever, it is what it is, which is in that time frame, that is a 1.61 ERA, which I looked at the MLB rankings, which would actually put him as through or in fourth place in the MLB ERA, just under. Uh, Lance Lynn's 159 ERA, which is crazy to think about. And even including his first two starts, his ERA is 316, which is still, with all things considered, good. I mean, it's higher than his career 299 ERA, but, you know, it is it is what it is. He'll, I have a feeling his ERA will dip below two by the time the season's over. And it's just, I, I don't know, I feel like every start, that he's made ever since those first two starts. It's just been, it's been so fun to watch because he's just, he's lights out. He, in my opinion, he doesn't even look phased on the mound. And I mean, obviously he's not the the guy that he's not a Marcus Stroman. He's going to show his displeasure or his excitement with everything that goes on in the game. But he just, he looks dialed in and he, he literally looks like he owns the mound and that he believes that he can get anybody out in baseball. And it's just, in my opinion, this might be controversial, but I feel like Ryu is the first true ace that the Blue Jays have had since David Price. Now, obviously, they've had some good starters with Estrada, Happ, and even Stroman at times, but Ryu has, in my opinion, been better than them. And I mean, it is only, what, six starts, I believe. But when you look at the fact that they have a big-name ace, for the next three seasons after this one, this on it just it makes the Blue Jays a really good team, and it makes them look like a good team on, on paper. And I mean, one thing that the Blue Jays, as well as the Raptors, kind of struggle with being the only Canadian team in the league is they don't get as much coverage. 
from the American broadcasters, even when they have good players. But I think when you get a guy like Ryu, who came from such a big market like the Dodgers and had such a good season and is now having a really good season again, it just, it makes the Blue Jays get more attention. But at the same time, even just for the fans, it makes it more fun for them because like I said, he been one of the best pitchers in baseball if you did if you don't include his first two starts and even with that he's been easily the best starter for the Blue Jays with those two bad starts and it's just honestly I am I was definitely I won't say critical but I was a little bit worried after Ryu's first two starts because I mean obviously everybody is always concerned about all oh, the American League switching to the National League or vice versa what how's that going to translate uh, but he has, he's been amazing. I really don't know how else to put that, but it's just, in my opinion, this is the Blue Jays, this is their ace, the first ace in a long time, and I am, I'm just in awe that they honestly have a guy like this. I think coming from Toronto, the Toronto sports market, it, yeah, there's been good players through all the teams, but it's just, it's kind of weird because we don't usually get those big name guys all the time or very often and to finally have somebody like that it it just it makes the blue jays look really good and ryu i mean i follow him on social media and he honestly he loves it here i mean his press conference back in when was it like november i think it was he expressed how happy he was to be here even his instagram and oh it says you know it says screams toronto blue jays everywhere he just He's happy to be here, and I think to have a guy that's so good, but also so excited to be part of the Blue Jays, definitely, it, you know what, as a fan, it makes me very happy, and I, I'm, like I said, this is the Blue Jays' best pitcher, and I think he, definitely the best signing that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro have made, in my opinion. Yeah, there's no, nothing controversial to what you said about him being an ace, because he is the ace of this team, and he is the first ace to be on this team since potentially David Price, and he's being paid like an ace. He's being paid four years, and he's being paid $80 million to do so. So there's nothing controversial to that. And, um, you know, going back to his first two starts, like you said, Jacob, I don't think there was anything concerned about or to be, uh, concerned to be about to begin with. The excuse I make for his slow two starts is just the year 2020, and I think that's a fair excuse to make. Uh, he ramped up, along with every other pitcher, he's ramped up activities within a matter of two to three weeks, and he came out, and, you know, the first few starts, he was throwing high pitch counts, he was probably getting tired, his stamina wasn't all there, and uh, there's nothing really for me to criticize him for, and then I think that, you know, the next three starts, as much as he still hasn't, he has been sharp, and I think he can be even more sharp based off of his numbers, uh, he has a 161 ERA in the month of August, so I think that uh, says enough, and I do think that he could be even better uh, in terms of getting his overall numbers down as we head into September. And, um, you know, he's he is the real deal. And this is why he the, J, the Blue Jays went out and paid this guy $80 million to come here. He's been, you know, um, even other than skill and potential, he actually has been healthy. And that's a good thing, knock on wood, because he has battled so many injuries in the past. You know, maybe if you want to blame, or maybe if you want to take a look at that for him not really pitching deep in the games right now. Uh, maybe the Jays are being cautious, but the other thing that is factual is that he has a high pitch count. He was throwing, you know, yesterday when he left his start after six innings, he's, he was almost at 100 pitches to begin with. So the only thing that he's been struggling with in his past few starts is keeping his pitch count um, uh, low. So that's one thing that could probably be fixed and adjusted easily. I'm sure he's dealt with it before, 
But you know, this is why the Jays went out to go and got Ryu. Uh, he is the the workhorse, or he is the leading um, piece to this rotation. And you know, after this year, you have him for three more years. And you know, I, you covered it all pretty much, though, Jacob. But um, you know, there's no surprise to his uh, success that he's had here. And I do think he can be even more better in terms of more strikeouts, maybe less hits and more, um, you know, less walks as well. But just a little bit more sharp, continue to get that whip down. But uh, Hanjin Ryu. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people were concerned at first for the first few starts, but there really wasn't anything to be concerned about uh, saying that again. And I think the month of August has reflected that. And, you know, he, we're only halfway through, so he's got another five starts to go around there, or maybe less than that, maybe about four. But uh, heading into the playoffs, too, he's the one that you want to have leading the way. And, you know, you hope he stays healthy as he has so far. And if he has, I think the, that puts the Jays in an even better position as they head towards a playoff push. Yeah. I think the thing with Marco Estrada, I know we're talking about Hyunjin Ryu being the Blue Jays' first ace, but I would say I think Estrada was an ace of this team, except for the fact that he didn't feel like an ace. Like, he wasn't paid like an ace. He didn't have that type of contract. He didn't have, I guess, the kind of anticipation or um, name recognition that the normal ace would have, that you would have with a guy like Hyunjin Ryu. But on the contrast with a guy like Ryu, he's paid like an ace and he's pitching like an ace and he has a name recognition of an ace. So I think it's different. I think he does feel like the first true ace of the Blue Jays since David Price. And that's what makes it so exciting. And um, certainly the Blue Jays are lucky to have him. um, and, And hopefully he's lucky to be on the Blue Jays should they make the postseason this year, which of course we will never stop talking about as long as it stays up around 70%. And Hopefully it increases over the next week. Um, the last thing we wanted to touch on, just a tiny bit, we don't really have any updates, but Jordan Romano, we spoke about it a little bit in passing earlier. Um, apparent injury to his right middle finger in yesterday's game. Um, he kind of he threw a few, few pitches. He was looking down at it. He was kind of shaking his hand, which I think Mike Wilner sk- uh, speculated that that would indicate that his hand felt numb or his, his, his finger felt numb. Um, again, like I said, we don't know any of the details of it. Um, speaking as someone who knows nothing about pitch grips or, or throwing pitches or pitch spin or whatever, um, I would speculate that it's not a blister issue because if I remember correctly, um, Aaron Sanchez with his blister issue, it was on his index finger because – when he threw his pitches and most pressure was on his index finger. So if it's an injury with his middle finger, I would guess it's not a blister issue. Um, it might be a fingernail issue. It might be a problem in terms of, I guess, a nerve issue is another possibility. We really have no idea. It's just speculation at this point. But we do know that if the Blue Jays lose Romano for 10 days, 15 days, whatever it might be, it's definitely going to hurt this team. If that honestly happens, I will probably cry like I'm not even joking (laughs) he aside from Anthony Bass has definitely been one of the Blue Jays if not the Blue Jays best reliever he he's been lights out all season I think he went nine innings or nine he had like a no hitter throughout nine innings he's just been he's been lights out throughout the entire season even now he has a 123 ERA including his one or third of an inning with the the one run allowed last night against the Orioles, but he has 
he has been lights out. And the, we we mentioned earlier in the year how the Blue Jays, you know, they can't afford to lose Ken Giles. But this, I think, is even a little bit worse if they were to lose him. Obviously, I don't want to over-speculate or start rumors because as of right now, Saturday morning, there are no updates on him yet. I literally just refreshed every sports site that I could and there are no updates yet. So let's hope that this is something where he just felt something weird and wakes up and it's gone or it's a it's an easy fix but losing him when you already have a depleted bullpen is not good and I I would be very very concerned I'm I'm not going to say it's going to destroy the Blue Jays chances of making the playoffs but you know if you're in the playoffs and you don't have him or if you're in that last game where you have to win it in order to make the playoffs I would want him in the bullpen or on the on the mound so prayers fingers crossed any type of good luck that I can somehow create I will send it to him because we honestly the Blue Jays need him and if he is injured even if it's just for 10 days 15 days like you said Mark that's most of the rest of the season so you're how many they're actually they're at the halfway point so that'd be almost about half of half of what's left so you you can't afford to lose him and that would be very detrimental to them it's definitely going to be a big blow the only thing that i can think of that would kind of mitigate the effects is if ken giles came back at the same time as romano hitting the injured list and it would kind of counteract um, but yeah, I mean, the Blue Jays pitching has been the story of this season because it's been great despite all the injuries. But if Romano gets injured, I don't know how that can hold up in a bullpen that's now going to have to rely on Anthony Bass more heavily, AJ Cole more heavily, Rafael Delis more heavily, um, even guys like Shun Yamaguchi, who I want to mention is pitching really well now. Like, he may have earned himself the last spot in the Blue Jays rotation if they don't fill it with a trade. Based on his appearance the other day, he went, I think, four innings, gave up one run, three hits, if I'm not mistaken. So he's been pitching amazing. But, yeah, if they lose Romano, it's uh, it's going to have big impacts for their bullpen. It might, again, force their hand like it did in the rotation to acquire a, a reliever or a bullpen arm. But um, I guess we'll find out. By the time you're listening to this podcast, you may know more details on his injury than we do now as of Saturday morning. But thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. And again, as we mentioned earlier, please continue to educate yourself and, and continue the conversation about police brutality and Black Lives Matter and continue to learn and further that conversation but if you enjoyed this episode you can rate and review our podcast on itunes you can also just share our podcast by letting a friend know about it and um, we're on twitter and instagram at section 138 pod where you can stay up to date with pretty much everything we're doing in terms of new episodes in terms of exclusive content stuff like that so uh until then stay safe and we'll catch you next Keep on running cause I'm winning